Before I preach God's word, I want us to take a moment and to pray for our nation and our world. These are crazy times that we're living in. And I want to remind you as a Christian, everybody under the sound of my voice that is a Christian, that everything is more spiritual than you realize. I'm going to say that again. Everything is more spiritual than you realize. And so much is even just transpired this week with Dante Wright and, and then the city that we have a campus in, eight people murdered at FedEx, that shooting there in Indianapolis, and then so many other events that have transpired around America and the world this week. I still believe that God answers prayer. I still believe we got to, the church has to pray. I believe we've got to intercede. Would you join me online, in person? Would you lift your voice and let's pray to the God of heaven. God, I pray today for our nation, God. We need a move of your Holy Spirit. It's the only thing that will change the human heart. God, would you send a revival? Would you move by your spirit? God, I pray that you would intervene and heal the human heart of murder and chaos and envy and racism and bigotry and hatred and lying and stealing and Lord all of the chaos that we see in our world we're calling out to the God of heaven that you would move that you would pour out your spirit that you would send a revival father we still believe that we are the church we are your ambassadors Lord may we stand up as people's church and be light and be salt Lord may we show the world what it looks like to be diversified and and unified and love all at the same time. God, I pray that we would realize that we are the light of the world, that we are the salt, Lord, in this nation and world. And God, I pray, help us to be the church. Help us to be a cup of water for a dying and thirsty world. Use us. Pour out your spirit. I believe you for revival in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. If you believe it, would you shout amen and put your hands together that God still answers prayer, that he's still on the throne, that he's moving. I want to continue our series today mixed up. Week number two. And the subtitle to this series is Ingredients. To healthy relationships. And before I start to preach, I need to transform into another person. But this week, I'm going to a whole nother level. You're not ready for me today. Chef, Chef Aber has showed up, Louisiana, etouffee and, and gumbo, and come on somebody, what you want me to cook up for you today? It's going to be relationships is what I'm coming after today. Because here's why, here's why, here's why. Because so many people have the wrong ingredients in their relationships. It's, it's, like, it's like people are putting ketchup in their cookies and wondering why the cookies taste bad. If you put the wrong ingredients in your relationships, they will taste bad. They will not function properly. And we learned last week from the first 
human beings God created, Adam and Eve, we learn the source of why relationships get all mixed up, why relationships get all the wrong ingredients in them. And I want to take you back to this key scripture there in Genesis chapter 3. I'll pick up reading in verse number 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say the serpent speaks and he's still speaking? The devil, the snake, is still speaking today. He says, you must not eat from, from any tree in the garden. The woman said that to the serpent, we may eat from, from, from fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. God said, you see, God is always speaking, but the serpent is also speaking. And the serpent said back, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, how many of you realize that the serpent is always lying? Everything that he speaks is a lie. It says, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Here it goes. Adam and Eve's relationships got, got all mixed up because they listened to the serpent instead of the Savior. And we learned last week that the serpent influences all of us through music, through Hollywood, through family, through friends. And he uses all of these avenues. He uses all of these tools to cause us to have unrealistic expectations when it comes to our relationships. If you talk to professional counselors, if you talk to seasoned pastors, they will all tell you this, that the number one problem with relationships, the number one, the top problem is people have unrealistic expectations. That they bring unrealistic expectations into their relationships and then that their relationships are not functioning properly. Disappointment is the gap between your expectations and your reality. And there are a lot of disappointed people because they have the wrong expectations when it comes to what their marriage should look like. They have wrong expectations on what it should look like to date someone. They have wrong expectation when, expectations when it comes to sex. They have wrong expectation when it comes to money. They, they have wrong expectations when it comes to conflict resolution. They have, they have wrong expectations when it comes to parenting together. They have wrong expectations when it comes to communication. They have wrong expectations to what, what it means for my needs to be met and people bring all of these wrong expectations into their relationships and then they wonder why does my relationship taste so bad and I want to say this to us at the very beginning of this message I need your heart to be open because oftentimes when you have wrong expectations you don't even know you have wrong expectations and I want to say to all of us today before you start dating before you get married before you get a divorce, please check your expectations. Check your expectations. The problem 
may not be the other person. The problem just might be your expectations. So so I want to give you today three wrong expectations of marriage. If you're dating, three wrong expectations of dating. If you're, look, it's a friendship, three wrong expectations of friendships or, or business partners. And we believe in holy matrimony here at People's Church. So in the context of three wrong expectations of marriage, here's the first thought that's so important. The wrong expectation is this. You complete me. You complete me. Let's look back at the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, and pick up in Genesis chapter number 1. Verse number 27 says, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. He created them. Church, understand you are created in the image of God, and God is complete and whole all by himself. Understand, church, you are a masterpiece created in the image of God Almighty. The psalmist said it like this in Psalms 139 and verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, somebody shout, I'm wonderfully made. Come on, you ought to just shout it again, I'm wonderfully made. Come on, just put it in the chat line. I'm wonderfully made. You're not being arrogant. You're being biblical. He goes on to say, your works are wonderful. I am wonderful. I know that full well. You are fearfully and wonderfully made right now. You aren't fearfully and wonderfully made when you start dating the right person. You aren't fearfully and wonderfully made when you get engaged. You aren't fearfully and wonderfully made when you get married or remarried. You are fearfully and wonderfully made right now. A person does not complete you. God is the only one who can complete you. The only one. The scripture says it like this in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by by glory and virtue God's power gives you everything you need for life and godliness no person no spouse no friend no boyfriend no girlfriend no human being can give you everything that you need for life and godliness only God can do that and if you have the expectation that some husband that some boyfriend, that some wife, that some girlfriend, that some friend is going to give you everything that you need for life and godliness. You are setting that relationship up for frustration and disappointment. If you really think that meeting the right person or getting engaged or getting married or getting remarried is going to complete you, you're in for a rude awakening. You're setting yourself up. For relationship disappointment, God has not created any person to give you everything that you need for life and godliness. Matter of fact, let me show you what God created a spouse to do for you. I want you to see this in, back in Genesis chapter number 2. Verse number 18 says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper everybody shout helper I will make a helper suitable for him notice the Bible says God made Adam a helper not a completer 
God created spouses to be helpers, not completers. Finding a husband or wife does not complete you. It magnifies you. Somebody needs to hear that again today. Finding a husband or wife does not complete you. It magnifies you. They will only help you be more of what you already are. Eve was a helper. Everybody say, err. Oh, you didn't say it. Somebody say, err. Come on, just fill it up in the chat line. E-R-E-I-R-R-R-R-R. Listen, church, a man or a woman will not make you strong. When you get married, if you are already strong, they'll just make you stronger. If you're wise, when you find the right person, they'll just make you wiser. If you are healthy, when you find a spouse, the right spouse will make you healthier. If you are kind before you get married, when you meet the right person, they just make you kinder. If you're nice before you get married, and when you get married, that person will just make you nicer. If you're godly before you get married, the right person will just make you godlier. If you're skinny before you get married, the right person will make you skinnier. I'm just playing on that last one. That's not true. I don't know what it is about marriage, but it'll put some weight on you. (laughs) But, but, But here's the bad news. The bad news is this. This doesn't just work for the good. Whatever is negative inside of you gets magnified when you get married. If you're insecure and then you get married, You'll be insecure if you're broke and then you find somebody Woo, we love each other. You get married, you're going to be broker. If you're greedy before you get married, marriage don't take care of that. You get married, you're going to be greedier. If you're unhealthy before you get married and then you get married thinking, oh, they're going to complete me and fix me. Oh, no, no, no. If you're unhealthy before you get married, when you get married, you're going to be unhealthier. If you had an anger problem before you got married or you think, oh, we just go, ah. No, 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 no. If you got an anger problem before marriage and you get married, ha, you're going to be angrier. If you got a lust issue before you get married, tell me, when I get married, we're just going to have sex all the time. No, 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 no. If you got a lust issue before you get married, when you get married, you're going to be lustier. I don't even know if it's a word, but it is today. It's my sermon. I'll preach it like I want to. If you're lazy, you're going to be lazier. If you got a dirty mind before you get married and you get married, your mind is going to be dirtier. If you have a filthy mouth before you get married, you get married, your mouth is going to be filthier. Your spouse does not complete you. They simply magnify what's already on the inside of you. The right ingredient in your relationship is to realize when I find the right person, They don't complete me. They magnify me. And I need to look to God Almighty, the sustainer of life, the giver of life. I need to look to God to complete me. I need to look to God to give me everything that I need for life and godliness. Perhaps you're looking to people for things that only God can give you. He's the one that completes you. Number two is this. Let's look at this second wrong ingredient, and that is you are my purpose. 
You are my, you are my purpose. It's a wrong expectation. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Of it. Somebody, somebody just say work it. I want that to get in your heart. Work it. God gave Adam a purpose before he created Eve. The right expectation, the right ingredient is to understand a person is not your purpose. A person is not your purpose. He goes on to say in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 19, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called, called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave name to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable, notice the word he uses, no suitable helper was found. Adam was working. He was naming the animals. He was taking care of the garden. He was just trimming the trees. He was exploring the rivers that God had made. He was doing all of this before Eve was ever created. God gave him a purpose before he gave him a person. A person is not your purpose. Listen, church, your life isn't waiting to start until you find a person. You need to be living out your God-given purpose right now. Listen to all of my singles right now. God has given you a purpose. You don't just wait for somebody else to start living out your purpose. You're living now. You're trimming the trees now. You're naming the animals now. You're working on your education now. You're working your career now. You get your home now. You got to live out your purpose right now. A person is is not your purpose. So in key, and I just want to say this because I realize some of you are going through relationship problems. And if you've, re you've recently been divorced, if you've been through a bad breakup, if somebody just broke your heart, I want you to understand that you still have a purpose from God. Your life doesn't end when you lose a person because God still has purpose for your life because purpose comes from God. Purpose comes from God. Acts chapter 13 and verse 36 says, now when David had served, notice these two words, God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried, buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. David served God's purpose in his generation because purpose comes from God. God wants you right now, whatever season you're in, if you're single, if you're dating, if you're engaged, if you're married, if you're divorced, whatever season that you're in, understand that God has a purpose for your life. A person is not your purpose. You can have a dream girl. 
You can have a dream guy, but you can't have a guy or girl be the dream. If any, if, listen, if you make any guy, if you make any girl the dream, if you make them your sole purpose, if you make them your entire life, you're creating an unrealistic expectation that they can never live up to. You're going to have disappointment in that relationship. You're going to be disappointed and they're going to be frustrated because you made them your sole purpose. And here's what happens to people. There are single folks that don't know their purpose they don't know their God-given purpose and then they they, they meet somebody they, they they meet somebody they start falling in love and they get married and here's what happens if you meet somebody and you don't know your purpose you'll have a tendency to make that person your purpose and making a person your purpose doesn't lead to purpose it leads to resentment it leads to tension it leads to frustration because you're putting ketchup in the cookies and you're wondering why doesn't it taste good? Purpose comes from God. We're passionate about that at People's Church. That's why we have growth track. That's why we talk about it so much. You've got to get to growth track. Did you realize that the majority of Christians do not know their God-given purpose, do not know their spiritual gifts? You've got to get to growth track. If it's your first week here or you've been attending for years, can I encourage you, get to growth track beginning May the 2nd. It happens every single Sunday. You can worship in the 1030 service and get to growth track in the noon service. You can worship and go to growth track in the same day. You've got to get to growth track because you need to know your God-given purpose. I want to just whet your appetite for a moment. I want to give you two quick insights about purpose. Two quick insights about purpose. Here's the first one. Your purpose is to live for God. Your purpose is to live for God. It sounds so simple, but people miss it. What's my purpose? I don't know my purpose. What's God's will for my life? I don't know God's purpose. Let me tell you, your purpose is to live for God. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. He's, he, he, he says... He, he has saved us. That's key. This is purpose. He has saved us and has called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Notice this. If you are not a Christian, your purpose is to be saved. Well, what, what, what's God's will for my life? What's, well, what's my reason for being on earth? Your purpose is to become a Christ follower, to follow Jesus Christ. Your, your life will never really make sense until you follow Jesus Christ because you were created to be saved, to be a follower of Jesus. Now, once you give your life to Jesus Christ, your purpose is to be holy. That scripture says he has saved us and called us to a holy life or that's a set apart life or a life that follows. God and his word understand that God gave Adam a command before he gave him a companion he gave him a command before he gave him a companion the scripture says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16 and the Lord God commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it you will certainly die and Adam had a command before a companion his purpose was to follow God's command follow God's command Adam what should I do what's God's will for your life follow God's command and, and Adam got in serious relationship trouble because he put his compa companion 
over God's command. God told him, don't you eat from any tree. You can eat from every tree in the garden. Don't eat from the one tree in the middle of the garden. And Adam lost sight of God's purpose for a person. And he ate from the tree that God told him not to eat from. And everything got messed up because he put a companion over God's command. God's purpose for you is to live out his purpose by following God and following his word. People, I'm telling you all the time, some of you are wondering right now, Pastor, what is God's purpose for my life? God's purpose is for you to read the Bible every day. For, for, for you to pray every day, for you to worship every day. What's God's purpose for my life? To be in church every single week in person or online worshiping and hearing God's word. To be in a small group so that you're growing in your faith. God's purpose for you is to make disciples, is to tithe, is to build his kingdom by serving others. God's purpose for you is to obey God's word. God's purpose for you is to grow in the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God's purpose for you is to that you would do good works. God's purpose for you is that you would become more and more and more like Jesus Christ every single day. That's God's purpose for you. Every Christ follower, none of us are exempt. We all have this purpose to be saved and to live a holy life that obey, obeys God's word. And let me say this. And then God has given each and every one of us a unique purpose for being on the earth. So we all have the same purpose. And then as Christ followers, we have a unique purpose for being on the earth. Here's the second thing I want you to understand about purpose. Your purpose is to live out God's unique purpose for your life. Your purpose is to live out God's unique purpose for your life. David served God's purpose in his own generation. Let me say this to all the singles. You're single today. And you want to find a spouse who will help you live out God's purpose for your life. A helper. You're single. You're looking for a person who will help you live out God's purpose for your life. And I got some married people thinking right now, hmm, hmm. Well, if you're married, you should strive to, strive to live out God's unique purpose with whomever you're already married to. That's God's will. That's God's will. When Tiffany and I were dating back in college and falling in love my senior year in college, her freshman year in college, and she was 19 and I was 21, and we're falling in love and dating. And, and I remember just starting to give Tiffany my heart and really wondering, is this going to be my wife? Is this who I'm going to spend my life with? I think, I think this is the one. And I got on the phone with one of my close friends, and I've shared this with you before, but, but it's really fitting for, for this message right now. And he lived out of state. He was going to a different college, and I was there living in, in, in Missouri, going to college, and got on the phone with him. I said, man, I think I found the one. Man, I, this, this girl right here, she's special. She loves God. And Man, I, we just connect, and we, we're, we're talking. And, and back in the day, everybody called me Coop, either Coop or Cooper. And I said, hey, Coop, man, God's hand is on your life, and 
you're already preaching God's word. You're traveling around the nation already and in college. And man, there's, God has something special for you. And he says the devil will sometimes bring somebody in your life to distract you. And he said, I think the devil might be distracting you from God's purpose for your life. And I got off the phone. I thought, you know, I think he might be right. And so I picked up the phone and called Tiffany. And I said, hey, Tiffany, the devil is using you to distract me. That's what I said, y'all. From God's purpose for my life. And I broke up with her. 25 hours, 24 hours later, I was crawling back. Oh, Lord Jesus, I missed it. But you know what we were very concerned with when we were single and dating? Living out God's purpose. It was serious to me. I wasn't playing games. I, we knew God, God, I, I knew God called me to ministry. She felt God called me to ministry. We were talking it out. Didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know if I was going to be a youth pastor, a kid's pastor. I didn't know if I was going to be an associate pastor, a senior pastor. I knew I wasn't going to be a worship pastor. You've heard me sing before. You know what? I knew that. We didn't know, but we knew, you know what? We've got to serve God's purpose and help each other fulfill God's purpose for our life. And that was a conversation we had on the front end. Because God's purpose is that we would serve his purpose in our generation. Number three is this. Number three is this. There's a third wrong ingredient, a third wrong expectation. And number three is this. You are here for my happiness. You are here for my happiness. Notice Genesis chapter 2 verse 24. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one flesh. God tells the husband and the wife to leave their father and mother and to become one flesh. Notice God did not say leave your father and mother and become happy. Happiness is the goal. No, no, no. Happiness wasn't God's goal. Oneness was his goal. If your focus is on being happy, you will never attain it. Your focus needs to be on becoming one flesh. And if you will focus on becoming one flesh, happiness will follow. Becoming one is not just spiritually. When you get married, God wants you to become one flesh. He wants that you no longer living separate lives, but living lives together. He wants you one flesh on serving the same God, Jesus Christ. One flesh in money. One flesh when it comes to sex between just the two of you. One flesh when it comes to parenting. One flesh when it comes to being unified with goals and purpose. And so many couples have this thought, I just want to be happy and they don't realize that was never the goal. God did not say leave father and mother and just be happy. No, 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 no. If you will become one flesh, happiness will follow. But the challenging thing is this. It's not easy to become one flesh. It was easier for Adam and Eve because when they got married, they were the first human beings. They didn't have to bring in their family baggage. They didn't have to bring in any crazy thinking from daddy or mama or grandpa or grandma or uncles. They didn't have Hollywood. They didn't have music. They didn't have friends and family giving them wrong expectations. When they got married, it was so much easier for them. But when you and I get married, when I got married to Tiffany, 
I brought some good things in from family, but I brought some cray, 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 cray. I mean, cray, cray things from family. Just messed up, wheels off, crazy thinking. I brought it. I brought baggage, bad thinking, bad expectations. And then Tiffany brought her baggage in and her expectations and her thinking. And our, our lives collided. Wham! And trying to take all of these two separate people in thinking and make it one flesh. It was not easy. And matter of fact, I blew it. Let me just get back suited and booted. Because when I got married, I was a chef. But I wasn't Chef Bear. I was Chef, chef Foolishness. Because, man, I got married and I, I was putting catch, I, but I didn't know it. It happens in marriage, it happens in dating, it happens in engaged relationships, it happens in friendships, it happens in business partners. We don't, but, but, we, but we have these expectations and we're just putting ketchup in and we wonder why it tastes bad. And I was doing this. I, I literally got married to Tiffany and here's what I thought. I thought Tiffany needed to make me happy. I believe that Tiffany, you need to make me happy. If I'm not happy, it's your fault. And this created so much tension in our marriage. It created so many unrealistic expectations. Here she is thinking, I got to make you happy. And I keep, I keep crafting my words. I keep talking to her about how she should be making me happy. And you talking about a relationship and tension and conflict. And you know what I had to grow to learn? Here's what I had to learn. Here's what some of you need to learn as well. I'm in control of my own happiness. Happiness is an inside job. Joy is an inside job. Joy comes from God. I, I, I really had to change my thinking on this because I was putting expectations on Tiffany and when somebody and when you're depending on somebody to make you happy your happiness is just coming from them they can't hit the bullseye because listen I was already crazy so my target was moving all the time because I don't even know what I want but happiness is an inside job and some of you you think the person is the problem but it's your expectations that it's their job to make you happy and it will destroy your relationship in marriage it's becoming one flesh here's what I believed here when I got married I was cooking up some things in my relationship I thought I'm going to change Tiffany I'm going to change her to make me happy and then our marriage will be better if she would just change if she would just do that better if she would just change like this if she would just think like me if she would just do it like me if she would just I just change because because that'll make me happy and then when I'm happy our marriage will be better. But it was the opposite. It didn't help our marriage. It created insecurity. It created tension. It created putting walls up in our marriage. And some of you really believe, if I can just change my spouse, and I'm not saying they don't need to change. I know they got issues. They're flawed. 
But here's what I had to learn. Here's what, here's what changed our marriage. Is when I realized my focus shouldn't be changing Tiffany. It should be changing me. And I start working on me and changing me and making myself more like Jesus and, and growing to be more like, I started focusing on me and it started impacting our, our marriage and, and changing our marriage for the better. And here's what I realized. When I took my eye off Tiffany and I put it on me and start working on changing me, here's what I realized. As I started becoming more like Jesus Christ, I started to realize I better stop trying to take the speck in her, out of her eye because I got a big old plank in my eye. I got to change. I, I got to grow. And just maybe you're having relationship problems because you have some wrong expectations. Here's, here's the third thing that I believed. I took it into our marriage. My goal was happy over healthy. I, I got married. And my goal, I'm, I, it sounds so childish and immature, but this is what I thought. You're here to make me happy. And when that's your viewpoint, happy over healthy, you argue. I argued with Tiffany with happiness on my mind, not healthy. I disagreed with her with happiness, make me happy, not health on my mind. We had arguments over money or over sex or over parenting. My goal wasn't healthy. My goal was, was me being happy. So I had to be right. I was defensive. I was arguing because I had happy, happiness was my goal. But when I shifted and realized the goal is not happy, but healthy, and how do we become one flesh? How do we become unified? How do we, it might take us days of talking. It might take tears. It might take months. It might take years. It might take counseling. But how do we get one flesh? How do we become unified? How do we work out all of these differences and baggages that we both brought in and all these ideologies and worldviews? How do we work this out to be one flesh, healthy? How do we become one and get healthy? And when we did, happiness followed. God never said the two shall leave father and mother and the goal is to become happy. He said, no, leave father and mother shall become one flesh. And if you try to live two separate lives and be happy, you're putting ketchup in the cookies and wondering why they taste bad. Just perhaps your marriage problems, just perhaps your dating problems, your engagement problems, your friendship problems, your family problems, your career problems, just perhaps you have wrong expectations. Heavenly Father, thanks for your word today. Thanks for doing surgery in this place today. God, I pray online, in person, every location, we open up our heart to the work of the Holy Spirit. God, today, work in us. Give us the right expectations. Remove the wrong expectations. God, do surgery in us today. In Jesus' name, I pray.